bro. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. That was so much fun to watch, dude. I know. It was a vintage Stephen Curry game. And so what part do you want to hit on first here? Bro, um, do you kind of want to go through you want to you want to go like in chronological order? You kind of want to talk about the first game a little bit and then get into this game? Or do you let's, just want to talk about this game? Yeah, let's start up with the most recent game first. Okay. Um I because that's obviously what's the most Freshest. relevant right now. Right, exactly. I think where we've got to start is Stephen Curry. What a game he <laughs> had tonight. Yeah. Bro, he the shots he was making was out of this world. Like, yeah, the it, shot making was preposterous. And what was the most impressive for me was he went eight of 16 from three. And that is very good. Like 50% mm-hmm. on that high volume is incredible. And it's indicative of how skilled Steph Curry is as a shooter. But I mean, yeah. we've seen him do that before. Like, right, that's exactly. Not, that's not super atypical for Stephen Curry. Like, he does that all the time. Damian Lillard's had many games like that. Like, that's mm-hmm. not too crazy. The no. work he did on the interior was what really made this um, one of Steph Curry's best ever games. And, like getting to the line? And in particular, yeah, getting to the line 19 times and making 18 of those was ridiculous. And he shot 10 of 15 from two-point range. And a lot of those were difficult shots as well. Like he was just putting on a clinic um, from the mid-range, from the floaters. I think he had two or three floaters. And then just finishing around centers and wing players. Like it was just a very, he scored so well from all three levels tonight. And then the 19 free throws were just sort of the icing on the cake. Like just a ridiculous Steph Curry game on offense. Yeah. What did he, he missed one early. And then how many in a row did he make after that? It's insane, dude. He's automatic. It's like, doesn't even touch a rim ever. It's crazy. Him and Dame are so much fun to watch at the line. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that definitely was um, a big deciding factor in this game was Steph's free throw shooting. Exactly. Um, so do you want to just talk about, do you want to get into like what allowed Stephen Curry to have this great game? Because although he played well in the first matchup between these two teams, mm-hmm. like this was several notches above that first performance where he was still kind of fighting through some shaky shooting. Like I think he went five from 15 from Mm -hmm. deep in the first meeting between these two teams. I hope I'm remembering that correctly. And he did show flashes of sort of um, getting back on track, obviously a very bad start to the season for Stephen Curry. Mm -hmm. And so he just obviously built off that tonight and shot very well. But I think there were some changes to both the Blazers and the way the Warriors played that really allowed that to happen. The first thing I want to kind of touch on is um, involving Draymond Green a little bit less in the offense. I had mentioned in the preview pod we did with Channon that what I really thought the Blazers should do is guard Stephen Curry with Derek Jones Mm -hmm. and guard Draymond Green with Robert Covington. And that was our base set in game in both games. And the Warriors and Steve Kerr, they tried to get that Curry green pick and roll going. And that had been a staple of their offense for pretty much the entire Curry era. And the Blazers were just able to switch that with both Jones and Covington and pretty much stonewall that action. And that's what allowed the Blazers to have such 
great success defensively in the first game. I mean, coupled with the fact that um, through that point, the Warriors had been the worst offense in the league, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was still a good scheme by Stotts and it worked. What Kerr did more this game was involve Wiseman and Looney in pick and rolls and get the Blazers centers involved. And both Nurkic and Cantor had absolutely miserable games on defense. Cantor redeemed some of that on offense. Mm -hmm. Nurkic probably had one of, if not his worst game in a Blazer uniform, which led to him being benched in the fourth quarter. We can talk about that later. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But yeah, what really allowed Curry to go off was just trying to involve more um, more centers in the pick and roll action. And yeah, um, yeah do you want to respond to that? I have a couple other points I want to make, but do you no, want to add yeah. something there? You're right on. It was so, because like Draymond, he didn't he only have like one point today correct <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah i agree like dude but the some of this sh- i'm not gonna get too far off but i'm just still kind of in awe because it was so much fun to just watch vintage stuff but yeah it was so sick like some of the shots he was making i was just like oh my god because <laughs> bro and but- another thing that really stood out to me is steph he played 36 minutes, so he got a lot of yeah. playing time, which means he was on the court alongside a lot of Blazers bench units, especially in Facts. the first half where, correct me if I'm wrong, he played, did he start the second quarter? Like he he played a, quite a long string of minutes in the first half. Yeah, didn't he and, play the whole third quarter too? Yeah, Almost. definitely played the third quarter. He had probably his biggest rest in the beginning of the fourth, where I yeah. think he sat out like five or six minutes. But anyway, back to my point about the Blazers um, bench units. Oh, look, stops throughout there in game one that worked fairly well was having Covington, Mello, and Derek Jones Jr. on the floor at the same time mm-hmm. and basically going to a very switchable but small lineup. And part of that is aided by the fact that the Warriors have lineups where they play like Eric Pascal or Draymond yep. Green at center. So the Blazers can kind of match up with their size in that regard. Even if Looney's on the floor, like Looney's a little bit bigger than those guys, but he's far from like a dominating physical presence, specifically like on the offensive glass. Like he's bigger than those guys, probably a little stronger, but the rebounding advantage he has is not going to be um, too debilitating. So Stotts was still able to go with that small ball lineup. And one of the things that really held back the Blazers in this instance was just foul trouble. Like Covington missed large swaths of the game. Derek Jones Jr., um, to be fair, Derek Jones Jr. had a miserable game, but he was out most of the game with foul trouble. I think he finished with five fouls and was just benched by Stotts along with Nurkic in that fourth quarter. So the inability to access those smaller switchable lineups because of that foul trouble caused the Blazers to have to play a lot more than I think they would like to, Mm -hmm. especially against the Warriors with one of either Cantor or Nurkic on the floor. And those offenses were just flamed by Steph Curry. Like those centers are way too slow to be, involved in any sort of defense that hopes to contain Stephen Curry. And that definitely hurt us a lot tonight. I wish we would have turned to Harry Giles, especially in the second half when it just 
became apparent that we were basically letting the Warriors or the Blazers were letting the Warriors get whatever they wanted on offense. I would have loved to see what a, what a like smaller, more agile, quick center could have done on the floor. I understand that Harry was a little rocky in his first game against Golden State a couple of nights ago, but I just think the concept of having a player such as Harry Giles would have been, if nothing else, in, an interesting experiment when nothing was going right for the Blazers. Yeah, dude, isn't it weird? Like, I feel like this game, I could be kind of wrong, but I mean, from what I saw, this game was similar to one game one, but it was just kind of reversed. Whenever the Blazers started to kind of get back in the game, it was just timely shooting by the Warriors. And then whenever the Warriors in game one tried to get back in the game, when they got within 10 or 12 or something, Mm -hmm. it would just be like they fouled and Dame got to the line or they hit a big shot, you know? Yeah, particularly... Um, we've talked a lot about Stephen Curry, but I actually think two guys who stepped up and had very big games were Andrew Wiggins. And I have talked a lot about this guy on the podcast before, but I've got to give credit where credit's due. I think Eric Pascal played well, not only tonight, but I thought he was the Warriors' second best player in the first game against Portland. And I know that's damning with faint praise, but um, yeah, the I I kind of talked about like, with Mello and Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood obviously injured, could not play tonight. Yeah. But with those two um, defenders on the floor, I thought Eric Pascal would probably have a pretty good matchup at most times. And that definitely uh, came to bear. No, yeah, he hit some big shots in the second half when the Blazers yeah. were kind of getting back. Because like he hit that one like corner mid-range, and I think he also drove and got yeah. like a lay-in. Which, yeah, it was just... The Warriors, it was so sick because no matter because was in the second half, I want to say they got they got within what was it, eight kind of with like four-ish minutes to go or something? Yeah, and we were within nine and then no, we were within seven. And yeah, yeah, seven. Damian Lillard missed that three, and mm-hmm. then Steph came down and got fouled on the other end. And that's yep. really kind of what sealed the deal. We got it back to nine, and then CJ McCollum hit a three. And the refs called it off, and that was kind of um, all she wrote. And we we should talk oh, about yeah. the, we should talk about the fourth quarter later because I think there were some pretty um, interesting circumstances that mm-hmm. went down there. But um, I just want to key in on Andrew Wiggins because I thought he had a huge game, and he continued the very poor shooting, um, one of five from three. You'd hope he could um, do a little bit better than that. But didn't that but one three ball come in the fourth? But he was physically dominant over any blazer guard that was put on him. Like he, I think it was. he was playing so much more aggressively than like I've watched all of the Warriors games so far this season. I don't think that trend will continue, but I've been able to catch all six of their games this season. And this is by far the most assertive um, that Andrew Wiggins has looked. And I thought that was wonderful because with Stephen Curry um, having to be guarded by a Robert Covington or a Derek Jones at all time, Andrew Wiggins was just by the process of elimination bound to have a physical mismatch. Like he took CJ McCollum to the post quite a few times. And I was a little bit disappointed by the lack of physicality Wiggins has had. Like I thought he should have maybe had his way even more with McCollum, but McCollum's a strong guy, like broad yeah. shoulders, pretty sturdy base. Like, I guess that's a little bit unfair of me to expect that from Wiggins 
a more slight frame. But what really impressed me was just Wiggins' elevation and being able to hit those um, pull-ups from floater range. And I thought that was a very good shot for him. And he looked more confident getting downhill, trying to get to the basket. Um, let me see how much he got to the line because I'm pretty sure he shot a fair amount of free throws. Yes, seven free throws for Wiggins. I would bet that's over his um, season average by quite a bit. Only four of seven from the free throw line. He missed so those again, two. Yeah, again, you would hope that that was a little better. But yeah, all in all, a very impressive game from Wiggins to me. Yeah, But yeah, his three-pointer came clutch though. That came in the fourth, I think. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. That was sick. But yeah, Wiggins, because it was kind of a slower start. He kind of turned it on in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he did he did have some good plays in the first half. Um, especially in the first quarter before the game had because the Warriors had a lead pretty much the entire game. And yeah. I think Wiggins was incremental in building that lead. And then maybe the middle portion of the game, he was a little quieter. And then the fourth quarter, obviously, he mm-hmm. played very well. So How'd you, how'd you like Draymond's chirping? It's so funny. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> I love kinda, it so much. <laughs> kind of just the Dray- Draymond experience. So no. Yeah. Cause even though he's, his, he's on the, you know, like he might not be an offensive score or whatever, but you just like know when he's on the court and it's kind of sweet. You know what I mean? And he's yeah. like, I don't know. I felt like you probably will explain it better than me, but I felt ball movement was a lot better in this game when guys were driving and kicking it out and stuff. I don't know. I just felt like there was a lot less ill-advised shots. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know why. I just felt like there was some, but yeah, some of Steph's shots were kind of like crazy though. No, um, with the roster that Golden State's constructed, Steph could literally pull up, from half court contested and that wouldn't yeah be that i i think in this iteration of the warriors it would be impossible for stephen curry to take a bad shot i would yeah. say more um james wiseman in particular he took he went six of nine but he had some shots that were a little iffy um especially in the first quarter actually he showed some good restraint through the rest of the game which i'm sure is something steve kerr talked to him about i was actually talking i forget who i was talking to about this but i was saying the worst thing that could have possibly happened um, for the Warriors was James Wiseman heating up from three in the first two games. Like he started mm-hmm. out like some preposterous, like six of eight or something. And that gave him like the confidence to keep taking those shots. When in reality, you probably, that's probably not the outcome the Warriors want from their possessions. But yeah. I thought Wiseman did a much better job on the interior of this game. He's still has quite a few wrinkles that need to be ironed out of his game. But yeah, the shot selection in general was better. Only one three-pointer didn't go in. But And then Ubre is another guy. Um, you want him to kind of shoot into rhythm, but until that happens, five three-pointers, and he only went one for five. Like, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it, what was the, the uh, one three-pointer, it came after one of his dunks. Yeah. Or one of his putbacks. Was that early third quarter or late second? No, it was definitely, it might've been like, yeah, I think you're right. Mid third quarter. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, but yeah, I think ultimately you're right. Like I think, I think the shot selection probably was a lot better. And I do think a lot of that was the product of the Blazers defense, um, which was markedly worse for a variety of reasons than it was. <laughs> yeah. You were mad. <laughs> But yeah, 
Yeah, any anytime the Blazers allow the 30th ranked offense to put up 100 and was it 136, 137 points? Mm-hmm. Not a not a great outing, but negative. Well, what I mean when you have it's just one of those nights where Steph took over and it's just like you kind of have to accept it. It's just like when Dame yeah. takes over a game, you know. It's like what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Sure. It was so much fun, though. I finally got a first kind of glance at what Kelly Oubre is capable of doing because I haven't watched him a whole bunch. And what I've seen from the games, it was just like, besides good defense and being explosive, it wasn't anything too crazy. But this game kind of excited me for like what he could be in the future. I mean, what what was he really doing any differently this game? You think aside from being well, wide his open. putbacks and he made a shot, but like his, I mean, yeah, you're kind of right. His defense is pretty has been he's like pretty tenacious on D. Yeah, like and no matter gets, no matter what, but and like he his runs just the floor in transition, yeah. which is and he brought a lot of energy. Like you talked about Draymond chirping Kelly even more so. Facts. Like it's a little little tone deaf when you injure a guy and then you're talking to him the next play. But I mean, he had a good game, so we, we can let it slide. But, yeah, but his, yeah, well, he had a few dunks. I was just like, Jesus, yeah, because yeah. he gets up so fast. Like when you're one V one with him, it's just like, nah, there's yeah, no point definitely. in contesting he, it. Like people talk about the most explosive athletes in the league and Kelly definitely deserves a place in that conversation. Like, Anytime, anytime he's out in transition, um, like he's absolutely going for like a show stopping dunk. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, he's a very impressive athlete. Do you want to talk about some of these blazer players now? Yeah. Do you want to talk about um, Gary Trent's D was nice on Steph? Oh, um, like there were some times when Steph was trying to do a little, some, yeah, work a little magic, and then he just had to dish it off because Gary wasn't letting anything happen. Yeah, um, Gary once once he got one on one against Steph, he did have of uh, several. Um, he did have several plays where he kind of stonewalled Steph, like you were saying, and just didn't let Steph do anything off ball. It was a little bit more, um, a little bit less impressive from him. Like I thought, Derek Jones in the first game did a brilliant job of finding Steph above the screens. Like it's so the Warriors run the play so often, just having Steph come off of pin downs off the ball in particular when Draymond's operating above the key. And um, for large swaths of the first game, like Derek Jones just kind of stood on top of those screens and waited for Steph to come out and just shut those actions down immediately. I thought Gary Trent, didn't do quite as good of a job at that got screened off quite a bit, but yeah, some of the on ball stuff he showed was impressive. Yeah. For and sure. again, and again, like it's hard to criticize any blazer player just because it's so hard to stay in front of Stephen Curry, which is why most of the teams who've had success slowing down the Warriors offense have operated in a more switch heavy system. And with our most switchable defenders, and Derek Jones and Robert Covington not being able to play for a variety of reasons this game, that just becomes so much more um, challenging because guys like Carmelo Anthony or Anthony Simons are obviously Nurkic or Cantor when it's um, when it's the center setting the screen. Like those guys aren't going to be able to switch on to Stephen Curry, which just puts Gary Trent in a very um, a very unenviable situation. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and Gary, did he he hit one good three ball, but then besides that, I don't know. I just got a feeling that yeah, I, mean, I just the, didn't. I just didn't think his three ball was going to go down a whole bunch. Yeah, and we'll, we'll go we'll easy go. on him because this was his first game coming yeah. back after a calf injury, and so yeah. Um, yeah, you could definitely see he was still shaking that rust off. He went one of six from three, three of eleven overall. Um, in the last couple of minutes, obviously this was complete garbage time, but he airballed a shot from about eight or nine feet away. That was pretty um, symbolic of just the way mm-hmm. the entire night had gone for Portland. But yeah, definitely a slow start coming back for Gary Trant. Um, yeah. I was impressed yeah. with uh, Cantor though. When Cantor's really? on the floor, he took advantage of the Warriors when they were playing like small or whatever. Yeah. And like this you could was, get all those boards and put it back up. Yeah, this was kind of what I talked about in our first preview podcast with Channon that Cantor would have a lot of advantages when he played with the backup unit. And that actually didn't come home to roost so much in the first game where the Blazers actually ended up beating the Warriors. But yeah, today, eight offensive rebounds, um, 12 rebounds total, just an amazing effort from Cantor on the offensive end converted eight of 12 um shots so mm-hmm. he just keeps the insane efficiency numbers going from a shooting perspective actually went eight of 10 from the line so just a very very effective offensive night for Cantor. but again um just going back to the defensive side of the floor just no chance of stopping curry when it's Cantor defending the pick and roll like curry could go by him with ease and if Cantor and if Cantor were to lay back, obviously that's just not an option. And so mm-hmm. even, even with a brilliant, really a brilliant offensive outing, I would say Cantor was unfortunately a net negative tonight <laughs> for Portland, just because you really can't have a player like him on the floor, which is a bummer. Yeah. Cause wasn't it two plays in a or not in a row, but I feel like pretty in close proximity where Steph drove and then got fouled by him. Yeah. And, and I actually, got, I actually want to clarify a point. Or he um, fouled Steph. Yeah. I want to clarify a point I made earlier, which is um, you can't have Cantor on the floor. Like I shouldn't have just made that um, definitive of a statement because obviously Cantor is a very fine player. You can't have Cantor on the floor with such a lack of other defensive options. Like Mm -hmm. you can't have them on the floor with Carmelo Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., Damian Lillard, and CJ McCollum, for example. Like that's just never going to work. Like if you have Covington, if you have Derek Jones Jr., I know I keep going back to those two players, but they're just so crucial. And that's really, I mean, obviously Olshay and the Blazers organization agrees because we put all of our off season, well, not all of them, obviously, but we put, our most precious offensive or off-season resources into getting those two defensive-minded wings. And so mm-hmm. when both of them can't be on the court, like Covington played 27 minutes, Jones only 17 minutes. And that and that's when it starts to become a little bit tenuous for an Ennis Cantor. Yeah. What what play uh from this game sticks out most to you? Well, I think it's gotta be as just sort of a representative play of how the game went. I think it was with just over a minute left in the fourth quarter. Steph (laughs) had an insane step back three, probably from like 32 feet out. He just went off the screen, stepped back into an open pocket and just drilled 
um, a three, nothing but net. I think yeah. that was a, that was his seventh three of the game, and that was just to me symbolic of just the unreal um, shooting night Steph had. Probably yeah. on a more um, on a more uh, striking note, I guess the most the one that's going to stick with me the most from this game, unfortunately, um, because this was a little bit uh, less of a positive play and may have some negative implications going forward. I hope Damian Lillard's okay. Um, he was kind oh, of shoot, yeah. afterwards, but when, um, I don't know, I thought that that was, we can talk about the fourth quarter. That was a pretty obvious foul on Kelly Oubre. When he Just, was trying to go through him or whatever. Yeah. When he was yeah. trying to go through the screen, had hands all over Damian Lillard, Facts. obviously. Um, I thought there's a lot of contact there for sure. Yeah. And they let that one go. Um, which, I don't know. You got. I thought I agree with you. I was like, "Isn't that that's got to be something?" Yeah, I mean, and with Damian Lillard, he does so much foul baiting from three point land. So I mean, sometimes he draws fouls, and there really is minimal contact. And so when you have a style of play where you um, take so many shots with the hope of getting fouled in mind, you kind of have to live with the fact that sometimes you will be fouled and nothing's called like that's just kind of the cost of doing business mm-hmm. you know but you you hate for a guy to like get hurt on a play like that so thanks just unfortunate there um another no call or no well <laughs> just no. going off on the no call <laughs> well no I, this one was a call and this one was a, the correct call like i'm not i'm not trying to criticize the referees too harshly this is more of like a philosophical issue I have is um, in soccer, we they talk a lot about the concept of playing for an advantage, which is basically if a foul occurs, but the offensive team or the team who's been fouled has a very good shot at scoring a goal, like they just won't call the foul, right? Because uh, the whole purpose of a foul is to penalize the team who commits the foul. And so if you like take away a goal scoring opportunity by blowing a foul, you're really rewarding the team who commits the foul and penalizing the victim of the foul. And so that just is the complete opposite of what the, uh, of what the whole mechanism is in place for. And to me, this, a big example of this was the fourth quarter in (laughs) the game tonight when the uh, Blazers were down by nine, CJ McCollum has a wide open three pointer and Kelly Oubre just sees the opportunity to hack in his canter. And as the call and as the um, McCollum shot drains in after the shot goes in, you hear the whistle. And um, that's just, it was a foul. Like, don't get me wrong. The ref saw the contact. He blew the whistle. Like, I mean, you can't hate on that too much, but I, I think that's, um, I think that's something they're probably going to look at next season because Mm -hmm. I've actually seen this a few times as, players fouling to sort of prevent baskets and um was it intentional yeah yeah he kind of that's, he kind of saw that's so smart with, yeah it, it is smart and i talk about this a lot too like there are a lot of rules in the nba that are like ripe to be taken advantage of and um and so i can never i don't criticize kelly Oubre for committing that foul like because the rule is in place. So you might as well use it to your advantage. I just, it's sort of frustrating to see stuff like that happen, but yeah. um, overall, like obviously um, 
obviously like if you see a foul you can mm -hmm. call it and i it's Back. totally within their realm of power um yeah can you explain to me the one with um when cj put his like he kind of just elbowed wiseman like what happened yeah. there and i what was what's the upgrade like i don't get it like i don't really understand that. i mean um i think did you think it was a foul like yeah that that one i thought was a flag yeah like, me too <laughs> the uh, cj is kind of a rough and rough and tumble <laughs> guy i think the blazers have got a couple players like that like carmelo anthony too mm -hmm. both kind of players who enjoy sort of the physical component of basketball like sort of old school players like to kind of get into guys and you play in that sort of physical mindset but yeah mccollum definitely took it a step too far kind of just <laughs> lowered the elbow into wiseman and um yeah they upgraded to that to a flagrant and i think oh okay is, and i think that's fair like um that he did mccollum could have definitely fouled him in a more in a more gentle <laughs> manner Instead and of then like wiseman, wiseman did go on to miss both of the flagrant free throws um, although Wiseman's supposed to be some great shooter, but oh um, shoot! <laughs> but yeah, I love. Um, I loved. There was a short stint there when like Lee and Carmelo were kind of talking after like Lee's. I didn't really look too much of a foul, but I mean, there probably was contact there. And then like when Carmelo drained that three or something in the corner, and Lee was trying like behind him, like talking to him. It was so funny. Yeah, and then yeah, like, those... Carmelo's just backpedaling down the floor, just talking to Lee. Yeah, so the funny. the Warriors are definitely going to be a talkative team this year. Whenever well, you if you've got get... Uber and Draymond, I mean, like Jesus, dude, and Curry. Yeah, too. for sure, Curry too. It's funny. Yeah, but I just yeah. love when I forget who it was. I think it might have been Robert Covington or somebody, and Draymond just like up close him in his ear just like talking to him and he just he just seems to get under people's skin so easily yeah i mean if I the so if, much if the and warriors then, can keep playing this well they're going to be they're going to be a pretty good villain i mean everybody loved to hate on the warriors back when it was the championship days and mm -hmm. so if if they can get back to that level of play which I mean, it's still very doubtful. Well, but, Steph's um, not going to drop 62 every night. Yeah, and they're not going to play the Blazers' <laughs> defense every game. Um, but <laughs> Like, okay, at what point in the game were you kind of just like, fuck, dude? Because nice. it, to me, I was there was like a little bit of stress inside of me the entire game because I was so... I was thinking, hmm... It could go south for us really quick because a few shots here and there, and they're right yeah. back in the game. To me, the sequence that um, really kind of was the dagger, in my opinion, was um, when Dame got that wide open three. I think this was with five or six minutes left. We mm -hmm. were down, the Blazers were down by seven, and Lillard missed the shot, just had it rim off. And then Curry was able to get out and transition and draw a foul and mm -hmm. it. I think those were his 15th and 16th free throws of the game. And so that was a five point swing that it would have been a four point lead for the Warriors. And instead Curry um, hit the shots and made it a nine point lead. And that's kind of when I saw the writing on the wall. And realized <laughs> this was, this was not going to be a win for the Blazers on this occasion. Another fun ass play was when um, Nurk was down low and Ubre was there. <laughs> 
And I'm pretty sure Nurk tried to put it back like three times and it just wasn't working. I was just thinking to myself, how is there no whistle going on here? Because there was a lot of stuff going on and I was just in awe. Yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a fun sequence there. Nurkic had a pretty, pretty bad game. Um, Copper top? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he just, he was benched in the fourth quarter, like I mentioned earlier. For Cantor, I would have benched him for Giles, but I mean, anything would have been better than what Nurkic was supplying. Pretty much no resistance on the defensive end. Turned it over twice on offense. And more than anything, just like you're saying, he could not finish on the interior. Like when he he got numerous chances with the basketball. Like the Warriors were religiously double teaming Damian Lillard after the pick, and Damian Lillard countless times found Yusuf Nurkic wide open at the free throw line, and he just could not cash in in any sort of way. Like his shot obviously was not falling. Um, his passes, though, were just wildly off the mark. Like he had he had one attempted alley oop to Derek Jones that went high off the backboard. Like it's just it was just a very um, disappointing outing from Norkic. Um, he hasn't really rounded into form yet this season. He arrived at training camp late. Apparently, he wasn't really able to play much basketball during the off season. So you kind of expected some. Um, some like, um, a, well, you just expected a slow start from Nurkic this season, but yeah, this, this one was pretty bad. Um, yeah. It was another one that was so funny. I think somebody gave Wiseman a oop and Wiseman yeah. sunk it, but then yeah. Steph comes down the floor and <laughs> then he does some like over the back kind of floater to Wiseman and it just goes away. Over. I, it wasn't even near the rim or something. I was just like, whoa there they got a little bit so- too saucy there sometimes yeah. it's just fun when Steph feels himself he does some crazy stuff it's yeah, so funny for sure <laughs> and um I hope I hope he's able to continue this going forward because mm-hmm. as much as I hated to see this against the Blazers like I bet it would have been pretty entertaining if it was against anybody else so for sure um so yeah and and um yeah, he hasn't had just, a game like this in a minute. Yeah, and I mean, whenever you can see a player like Stephen Curry have a game like this, it is just um, like amazing to watch. And um, I think we'll probably be treated to quite a few more of these just because the lack of other options on the Warriors' offense, like consistent, like I was for sure. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like I don't really think Stephen Curry could take a bad shot at this point. So mm-hmm. um, here, here, hold on. I'm curious to see how many shots he ended up. He went 18 of 31. This game. Yeah. 18 of 31. That's wow. ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, and then eight of 16 from three, 18 of 19 from the line. If you like divide that by two, which is inaccurate because I'm sure he got fouled quite a few times in the bonus, but that's probably like 10. That's probably like eight. Um, shots he got fouled on so he had roughly 40 shooting possessions which is just extraordinary i'm trying to see if the uh if the nba has posted the um advanced box score yet because i would be very intrigued to see what his 
usage rate was in this game, but I imagine that that was pretty high as well. What do you well. mean? Like just like how much per- you played? No, just the percentage of possessions that um, he. Oh yeah, now they have it up. The percentage of possessions that he used. So for Stephen Curry, he had a usage rate tonight of 47%. Good Lord. So yeah, when Stephen Curry was on the floor, (laughs) like it was the Steph show. So basically usage rate is your um, shots, turnovers, and free throws divided by two divided by, um, divided by your team's um, like total amount of possessions, basically. So just, so just basically is representative of um, how many of your teams or what proportion of your team's possessions resulted in you doing something, whether it's cheating or turning it over. So basically Steph accounted for 50% of the Warriors <laughs> possessions when he's on the floor, which um, just to provide some context here, like the most ball dominant players in the NBA, like James Harden or Trey Young usually hover around low 30s. So like 32, 33, 34, what? like that. 30 like low 30s anything above 30 percent really is just insanely high usage and Steph was able to get into high 40s so just an unreal um usage game for him mm-hmm. um I, let me see what Dame was today yeah Dame 31 percent like that's wow. pretty high and Steph just <laughs> blew that number out of the water and so I think I honestly think that Stephen Curry is going to have to <clears throat> He won't sustain that number, but he, I, th- I think he, he'd better have, he'd better get pretty close to that mm-hmm. um, throughout the year if they want to keep winning games. Yeah, your boy Jordan didn't play, <laughs> and I think Mulder I barely yeah. played. Or no, I'm, I don't think. Yeah, Mulder, Mulder played for like ten seconds. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and then Brad didn't play a lot either. He played like one stint in, I want to say like the. Th- fourth quarter when Steph was sitting. Yeah. Yep. In the fourth quarter. Um, him, he's so he's good. I mean, yeah, my dad was not happy with him. He did not like what he saw from Brad Wanamaker last game. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a very limited offensive player. He actually was mm-hmm. better in Boston. I thought, but, um, yeah, he's not really hitting shots. He turns the, he's been turning the ball over quite a bit, which is mm-hmm. concerning. So, um, can I just read off some statistics for you very quick? For sure. Like Steph, Stephen Curry um, in the Warriors 2018-19 season, which was their last one as a championship contender, he had a 30% usage rate with Kevin Durant. But and was just this, that, this game or is yeah, that accumulative? Just in this game, he had a 48% usage. And so um, in order to sort of sustain the success, like, I know I've said this before, but Steph, I just think this team has to be nothing but Steph and Curry. Like, yeah, for sure. But- which is kind of what the Blazers were like last year, honestly. Not not to this extent, but really the case for the Blazers last year was unless we were playing one of the worst teams in the NBA, it would pretty much have to be Damian Lillard having an insane game as our only chance to win. And I think the Warriors are sort of in for a similar experience this season. Mm-hmm. I like what Damian Lee brings to the table too. Yeah, just he's a fearless three point shooter when he gets yeah. the opportunity. 
And the Warriors three point shooting is something that they've really been lacking. So mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I've pushed so hard for like a Michael Mulder to get on the floor. And I think Damian Lee is just the same deal. And Damian Lee provides another guy who he's not an amazing playmaker by any stretch of the imagination, but he can at least put the ball on the floor and keep, keep the offense going should the shot Mm -hmm. not be available for him, which is something we can't always say about like a James Wiseman or Kelly Oubre or Andrew Wiggins. Like he has options that are available to him, even if the shot's not open. And if the shot is open, he is more capable than hitting that shot or he's more capable of hitting that shot than most of the other options on the Warriors. So I agree with you. Like Damian, Damian Lee is definitely um, should, should be a larger part of the Warriors rotation. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. When he gets that semi open look from straight on, Mm -hmm. he drilled another one just like that against like he did against the Pistons or not the, the bulls. Yeah. 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 That game winner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention what what did I want to say? Uh so I, it was something about the Oh, I was watching the post game post game press conference with Steve Kerr. He seemed mm-hmm. uh not not from this game but the last one. He was so mad but he was he's so sarcastic, you know. Like he has yeah. a pretty good sense of humor and they yeah. were asking about Wiseman and stuff and he, he had the funniest answer. Someone asked him about Wiseman's foul troubling, foul trouble and he was just um, I forget what exactly verbatim what comment he said, but he was just said he was basically just mind boggled that the Wiseman still fouls so much because after before like every game they tell him to just not <laughs> go up and contest stupid shots and stuff. It was the I, I was trying to send you the link, but it was the funniest thing. He just like I just am failing to understand why he's still fouling so much because I literally <laughs> talked to him before every game. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I I don't I didn't catch that press conference but steve <laughs> kerr is a super funny guy yeah um, he's awesome yeah he's i really like cool. steve kerr quite a bit so hey, who's, who's up next for the blazers next for game? the blazers we've got the bulls at home so oh, okay i oh, would nice. be optimistic about that yeah but we saw today that the blazers are very capable to playing down or very <laughs> capable of playing hey. down so almost i mean the words <laughs> The Warriors had by far the lowest net rating in the NBA going into this game. And so um, I doubt that will be the case tomorrow, though. I bet I bet this took the Warriors out of 30th place. So mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Um, so you can credit the Blazers for that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about game one a little bit or not? Nah? Um, no, that's okay. I, All right. I think I think we better just give the Warriors their praise tonight. Dude, I'm telling you, ever since I got this sweatshirt for Christmas, every time yeah. I've worn it on the Warriors games, they beat the Bulls and they beat the Pistons. But then I wore that 49ers crew neck on the first Uh-oh. game against the Blazers. They Uh-oh. lost and then they won with this. Wow. Well, I'm just gonna wear it every day. I'm not gonna think, take it off. I think that sounds I think that sounds like what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. But the the 49ers lost today though. So uh, I think it only works for the Warriors. But okay. Right. Good night, my I man. Bye bye.